Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour, as this is our second annual NFL mock draft for the Kelly Green Hour, as we are going to be going through the Philadelphia Eagles' 11 draft picks in the upcoming 2021 NFL draft, as the NFL draft is taking place less than a week away in Cleveland, Ohio, on Thursday night, starting Thursday night with round one. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and as always, joining me is Connor. Connor, this is this is what we love. We, we love NFL draft time, offseason time, free agency time. This is when we get to have some fun and get to put, put our two cents in to what we think the Eagles should do and what we know how we won't do. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I can definitely uh, agree to those sentiments, especially on the Howie side of it, especially with all the reports that continue emerging. I, I tweeted about the report that came out. It might have been by The Athletic talking about how Howie's board was the only board that mattered. Top 50 was the yeah. only one that mattered last year and stuff. So, I mean, if he comes in with that same mentality, we can expect insanity. The same thing over and over again and just not working, no matter the coach, no matter the quarterback, be the same. And especially since some of the results are, excuse me, some of the um, reports were saying that the scouts had Justin Jefferson with should have taken Justin Jefferson in the first and Jeremy Chin in the second. And how he was like, nah, I'm going to take Jalen Rager in the first and Jalen Hurts in the second. Boy, and, and then you saw, see the video of of the Vikings, Vikings yep, when they took yep. Jalen Rager and they're like, did that really just happen? And they laughed and, then, and ran to the mic for Jefferson. Yeah. And then Jefferson uh, did an interview and he was talking about how he was actually look like looking at places in the Philly area because because all the mocks and, and, and with the needs that the Eagles had, um, there was talk of the Eagles selected him. And, you know, obviously he said that he was happy with what the, with being drafted by the Minnesota Vikings and, and he wouldn't want it any other way, especially with what's going on in Philly, you know, the, the tumultuous off season or, you know, but the season that we've had last year and with the front office and just a lot of upheaval going on, he, mm-hmm. he's obviously thrilled, thrilled with the quote unquote consistency in, in Minnesota, even though that could change depending on how they are this year with, with Zimmer. But yeah, you know, when you have players who were, were t- are talking like, yeah, I, I expected to be there. And when they didn't take me, I was like, Wait, what? So he has, he was what the fourth or fifth receiver taken last year. And he was the best mm-hmm. receiver. Um, now we're not saying that he's going to have the best career of all the receivers take, taken. And I think Jalen Rager's rookie year was incomplete, but b- because of the injuries and, and whatnot, but man, it, it is tough. And again, I was of the sentiment. I didn't really want, Justin Jefferson, I thought he was a strictly slot, slot receiver, so I didn't want him, and I never expected the Eagles to take, take Jalen Rager, but obviously with hindsight being 2020, things have changed. <laughs> so we'll, we'll hopefully the Eagles are able to get it right this year. Definitely, and I mean, there's a ton of rumors swirling right now, and, and like I posted a tweet yesterday because there was a report by CBS Sports saying that how he's only trading up if it's for a quarterback or Kyle Pitts. And and I, I put a meme with a roller coaster because this is literally what the, the draft season is every year with Philadelphia. Yep. And I don't I'd love to see whoever gets the most accurate Eagles mock draft because he it just mock drafts go off the rails from pick one when you're a Philadelphia Eagles Shoot. fan. So it'll be fun Last- to talk about the needs and talk about the fits and the potential fits, even though we don't really know the scheme and stuff. Um, yeah. I think we, we know as Philly fans that versatility is key. 
If you can fit yeah. in multiple systems, Philly loves you. Yeah, and last year I think I got like three or four correct, three, two or three. I know I got um, Kevon Wallace and Jack Driscoll correct. I don't remember if I got anybody else. So like last year, I think for for myself was really a positive. But hopefully this year the, the Eagles and Howie Roseman uh, don't make the mistake. So before we get, we are gonna we're gonna do the Eagles mock draft. Just the Eagles. We're not gonna do a full first round. That we. While we care, it's really mainly Eagles related. But I think we both can agree that with the first two picks in the draft, Jacksonville's taking Trevor Lawrence. The Jets are taking Zach Wilson. That's 100% stamped guaranteed. The draft's really going to start at number three with the Niners. Are they taking Mac Jones? Are they taking Justin Fields? Are they taking Trey Lance? And then at number four with the Falcons, do they keep it, take Pitts? Do they trade it? Do they take a quarterback because they need a a quarterback of the future with Matt Ryan. Just quickly before we get to the to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, first round pick, those top four, um, your quick sentiments on those uh, picks. I th- I personally think we're going to see quarterbacks. I, I personally think it's going to be probably elite in the top five, definitely four quarterbacks go. I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures. Do the Falcons take one or do they trade to a team that needs one like maybe Denver? Um or even Carolina, even though Carolina traded for Darnold, um, do, do you do you think that the Falcons try to get some equity to get, to pick up picks for the future and maybe take their uh, quarterback of the future next year or later in this draft? I think it would be best for for Atlanta to trade it and get that equity because they have a lot of needs on the defensive side of the ball, offensive side of the ball, more focused on the offensive line. We know the weapons that are there. I mean, Matt Ryan, everyone's writing him off into the sunset, but I mean, the guy can probably give you two or three more years and they're paying him in a way that that they're going to be stuck with him for two or three years. So, you know, they you you don't have to rush as much as some of these other teams need to rush and get that quarterback. And this quarterback draft class, I mean, for me, it's like, I don't know if I'm sold. Like, I mean, I talk from a fantasy perspective, but when I look from a realistic perspective too, I only see probably three of them being starters in the league in three years from now, three to five years from now. I I don't think they all translate into starters to be honest. I think, I think Zach Wilson, he's a lot smarter than Sam Darnold, but he has Sam Darnold, type trajectory is, written all over him at that pick. And that's, yeah, I, that's Joe Douglas making that pick. So I, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I want to say Joe Douglas knows what he's doing, but I just don't know with Zach Wilson. I think you're going to see Lawrence fields and Lance as starters three to five years from now. And the rest of them will be a wash. I'm see, I'm, I'm different. I, I think Trevor Lawrence will be a starter. Um, I don't th- just talk about him not being all about football. I think that's over, like overrated, ridiculous. He can have a life, um, and I think he'll he'll be good. I don't, now being with Jacksonville, I know they have a, with Urban Meyer and all that. It, it could be different, but we'll see. I'm indifferent on Zach Wilson. Like when there was that talk of the Eagles possibly trying to trade up to get him, yeah, I was not happy with that. I, I don't really fit, think he's going to be that good. And Justin Fields, I just there's a thing about Ohio State quarterbacks, recent Ohio State quarterbacks that they just don't go into the NFL and project well into the NFL, do do well in the NFL. So I'm, I know he's different than um, Cardell Jones, and he and he and he's different than than those other quarterbacks that have come out come out of Ohio State. But I'm still indifferent. And then I think the second best quarterback in this draft, and people are gonna think I'm crazy. I think it's gonna be Mac Jones. I really do think Mac Jones. 
is going to be the second best quarterback in this draft. Obviously, it's going to depend on where he goes. And I think that he has a shot to go to the Patriots, which I think would be good for him. Um, you know, with the, with that offense, if if they can if they can get him some weapons, but we'll see. All right, so we're gonna start the Philadelphia Eagles mock draft. They have the 12th overall selection, and again, our rules are we're not doing trades. Um, because if we were, I, I would definitely project them to trade the 12th um, to move up ahead of Dallas to get Patrick Sertan. But that's that's on that's what I think is going to happen on um, Thursday night. But so with the 12th pick in the 2000 and uh, with the 12th overall selection in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You can go first, Connor. Um, I think they're gonna. So I did it. I did three mocks, and then I kind of took the best of all of it. And the best for me was Devontae Smith. I just can't, like, in all the mock drafts I did, J.C. Horn didn't make it, and Patrick Sertan did not make it. Caleb Farley made it, and Caleb Farley was one where I mocked. The other one was Micah Parsons, and I was like, nah, they're not going linebacker. Yeah. I can't see it. <laughs> and the risk with Caleb Farley, I eh, don't know. I think the risk is a little overblown, like we were talking about before we came on the air. If you have concerns about Farley, but you don't have concerns about Dickerson, but you don't have concerns about some of these other guys who have an injury history. Caleb Farley tore his ACL. He's like three, four years removed from that now. And then the back issue clearly has cleared most physicals in Indianapolis. So my concerns are are not really as high for Caleb Farley, and he's pro- projected as one of the better cornerbacks. So Farley or Smith, but I go Devontae Smith. They need a real difference maker. They need a real alpha. And for me, the size is being overblown. He could come into the league and be 175, 180, and everyone will be like, oh, he's going to be just fine. But 166, that's the big difference maker for people. This guy can create, and he doesn't need size. He doesn't need girth. He can create just based off of his his, his skill, his pure skill set, whether that be how he runs, his route running ability, his yards after the catch, whatever it is, he is different than any wide receiver that we have on roster and any wide receiver we've had on roster in probably the last five or six years. So I'm going Devontae Smith. I know that the analytics are against us in the fact that we've never drafted a wide receiver first round back-to-back seasons. But I think you have to admit Jalen Reger, I think Jalen Reger, like, we're writing him off too soon. I think he's going to be fine, but he's not a wide receiver one. We drafted him as such. He isn't a wide receiver one. Devontae Smith, he is an alpha. He will demand attention. He will demand the ball, and he will get it, and he will produce with it. I have zero concerns about the size. I'm with you 100%. I don't have concerns about uh, Devontae Smith's size. He did all that work winning the Heisman in the SEC, and you're going up against, you know, Cal, starting caliber, you know, corners weekly for the most part um, in the SEC. Um, I also think that he really became that legit go-to guy for Mac Jones in Alabama after Jalen Waddle got hurt because Jalen Waddle is the better prospect, I think. Um, and so it, it'll be interesting if they were both there at 12 that the Eagles would select. But for me, I'm going with cornerback J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. I the only receiver all year to get more than 50 yards against JC Horn, Devontae Smith. He had 60 yards in that in the game last year that that Alabama won. But JC Horn is a is a prototypical starting outside corner in the NFL. 6'1, 205 pounds. Um he he's he's really good. Um and I think he's gonna fit in well in Jonathan Gannon's uh scheme, which I think we think he's gonna play primarily zone. Um so so we'll definitely see how that goes. But I think JC Horn 
would be a great pick for the Eagles if he's there at 12. If if my mocks worked out my way, if Sir Tanner Horn were there, it was a it was a no brainer. In a pass heavy offense like we have now in the NFL, you we we have weaknesses at both major pass heavy positions, wide receiver and mm-hmm. cornerback. And I just think that you need that cornerback a lot more than you need that wide receiver, especially for the long term. You look at what the Rams gave up for Jalen Ramsey and what Jalen Ramsey has turned into. You look at some of these stud cornerbacks in the league. Yes, we have Darius Say, but man, Darius Say's 32, 33 years old. Like eventually you have to prepare for life after Slay and also support Slay because he ran the gauntlet and he got abused mm-hmm. last year and he needs help. So I think that if Horn or Sertan fell to me, 100%, that, that's a no-brainer. I'd run up to their podium and say, so here, would you, take, take if, my money. If Sertan and Horn were there, who are you taking out of the two then? I feel like I'd go Horn. I like Horn more really? because I, 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 I like Horn because he's more physical. I like, like I watched a, a bit of tape on both of them. I found Horn just so physical. He took full advantage of that first five yards and like he was really physical, very handsy, but not to the point where he got penalties or anything like that. I really like JC Horn, but I think you can't go wrong with either or Caleb Farley either. I think that it would be hard to say you could go wrong with Caleb Farley, but I get the concerns that some people have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But again, I'm I'm a Sertan guy, being an Alabama fan, and the Eagles never drafting an Alabama player. It'd be nice if they did that this year, but we will see. All right, let's move to the second uh, second uh, round draft choice with the 37th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The Philadelphia Eagles select. I have them taking wide receiver Rondell Moore out of Purdue. Is he small? Yes, he's five nine, a buck seventy five. But man, does he have the intangibles? He can he can be a Swiss Army knife uh, in um, Nick Sirianni's offense. Uh, he can return. And, and again, the one thing I think I mentioned last week is the Eagles haven't had that playmaker returning kicks or returning punts in a long time. And I think you know Deshaun Jackson obviously being being the key guy. And I think Rondell Moore would be able to do that for the Philadelphia Eagles um, as he as he progresses to becoming a a you know, full-time wide receiver. Now, is he going to be the a legit starting outside? I think he has the, he, he can, um, he probably with his size might project as, as a slot more, but when you have somebody that runs in the low four threes and has playmaking ability like he does, and if he is available, you have to do it. So I'm, I'm having the Philadelphia Eagles take Rondell Moore out of Purdue the wide receiver. See, we definitely go way off track there for me because I do not like Rondale Moore. I don't like how he projects to the NFL. <laughs> he definitely projects more as a slot because if he's met at the line with aggressive press, like man press guys, like he's going to get abused in those first five yards. He's not even going to get a chance to get to that 4-3, sub 4-3 speed that he needs to get to to beat them down the field. I think he projects, and he got peppered with targets. I watched three or four games of film. That man was force-fed the ball, and one of the biggest things I saw in his tape, he can beat him with speed, but once you get an arm, like, he's one of those guys that even if you get, like, a bit of an arm tackle going on him, a strong enough arm tackle, he's going down, or he's being slowed enough that the help gets there. And that that was something I didn't really like about Rondale Moore, and, and I don't think he's an alpha, and I think Philly needs an alpha. We need someone to take the Alshon Jeffrey role or the Deshaun Jackson role, one of that, that X or that Y role, and really run with it. 
and and I just don't think Rondale Moore projects like that. For me, this was where I went into your offensive line. This is where I addressed the Jason Kelsey, the future Jason Kelsey hole that's bound to come. Um, and I took Creed Humphrey. It was Creed Humphrey, it was Landon Dickerson, and then in another one I had Terrace Marshall because I took Caleb Farley. But for me, the interior, the way the drafts felt, never was there an interior offensive lineman fallen to me that projected well enough to take an over at the starting role like Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson. Creed Humphrey, he started all four years in Oklahoma. I think he started 37 games out of 38 games. He play, He just has a mat. His resume is beautiful. He's not Jason Kelsey in the way that he moves well to the second level, which is the only thing you're going to have to like if he's masked, masked by some guards that can move to the second level better than Creed Humphrey can do his thing, which he's just a big boy. He's a stout boy, and he he can he can fight in that short space like he needs to, and he can be the, our next center of the future for 10-plus years. For me, I want to say Landon Dickerson. Landon Dickerson's played at all five positions across the offensive line. He could be playing next year, just not at center. You never know. But all of his injuries are to his legs, his knees, his legs. And that's just too concerning for me that that he's getting abused like that in four years of college. And Creed Humphrey has like no injury history whatsoever. I just like Creed Humphrey. He's a leader. You know he's a leader. He was a leader in that Oklahoma locker room. And I think he can be there for 10-plus years in Philadelphia and man a position that's been under control for 10-plus years with Kelsey. I'm, uh, I can see it, I, and I'm a big Landon Dickerson fan, um, and I, I love what – and I think I've mentioned this before. I love what Saban did in the national championship game, allowing him to dress and, and take that final snap um, to, to end the game, and I, I, I thought that that was really cool. Um, I, I'd, be, I'd be cool with either one of them, um, but they're definitely going to have to address um, depth across – especially at the center position, um, but definitely across the offensive line, um, and, and that's where I think in the where, where they they're definitely go – early in the draft. I'm hoping not first round, like with a Slater um, or, you know, a Slater or if a Sewell were to fall. Um, but we'll definitely see uh, when, how he decides to, to make that move. All right. So we're going to move to the third round and they have a couple third round draft picks. So with the 70th overall draft pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. Go ahead, Connor. This one I debate it heavily because you just talked about the add in depth on the offensive line. So I had Jalen Mayfield or I had Brevin Jordan. I think it's inevitable that come draft night or leading up to draft night, Zacherts will no longer be a Philadelphia Eagle. I think that that move will be made very, very soon or just on draft night looking to add like an early day three pick or something. I don't think they will get any more than a fourth round pick. Um, so for me, I go Brevin Jordan. I think like it, that pick depends on do they move Zach Ertz before this pick? Brevin Jordan. Do they not? Then Jalen Mayfield, because Jalen Mayfield can play tackle, he can play guard, and he can play either side of the line, which is huge, that versatility to play left side, right side, especially with the rumors about Brandon Brooks being on the block, it being no no surprise no surprise to anybody that he's being shopped was kind of surprising to me. Probably to Philadelphia Eagles fans, they're like, uh, that seems weird. Um but, yeah, with Brandon Brooks being shopped, there could be a gap at right guard, which I think they have a lot of confidence in Jack Driscoll. I think that seems to be the direct direction they're leaning. If they can get out of the out of, out of under the money for Brandon Brooks and use Jack Driscoll, um, 
But I'm going to hold with Brevin Jordan because I think that by the end of day one, Zach Ertz will probably not be an eagle. And Brevin Jordan is a yards after the catch monster. He's not necessarily the greatest blocking tight end. And it came down to Pat Fryermuth or Brevin Jordan. And I just like Brevin Jordan more. The ability to create for himself, the ability, he's just a really great athlete. So is Fryermuth. But Pat Fryermuth's best comp, Zach Ertz. They call him Baby Gronk, but the best comp that I've been seeing is Zach Ertz. And I think we need something above and beyond a Zach Ertz, above and beyond a guy who's going to catch a ball and get tackled like Zach Ertz did. We need a yards after the catch guy who can continue to open up that field. So I go Brevin Jordan. I, I still think that Zach Ertz is going to be on the team next year. And possibly, like depending on how the season goes, by trade deadline, they, they'll trade him. But, you know, they're under the cap right now. And... They don't need unless they're gonna get what they want. They're not forced to to trade Zach Ertz. So I think that the Eagles are gonna hold on to him um, for this year anyway, or up to the uh, trade deadline. All right. So with the <clears throat> what pick are we on again? I'm sorry. 70th. The seventieth, the seventieth overall pick. I have the Philadelphia Eagles selecting Quinn Miners, the interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, mm-hmm. and he's somebody that has, has really shot up a lot of draft boards. I know he went to a, a, a division, uh, what are they? One double A. I think it's one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, school. Uh, he, he's, he's appeared in 33 games. Uh, he's, he's the prototypical guy. He's six, three, three twenty, And this is where it could help build the depth. He doesn't have to get drafted to start right away unless maybe Brooks gets traded or injuries happen, but he could take this year to work with Jeff Stoutland, um, to, to work on technique, whatnot, whatever. And next year, say Kelsey does retire and the Eagles want to move Isaac Sayamalu from left guard to center, you can put Quinn Miners right there at left guard. And you have that left guard spot, I believe, will be held down for, you know, the next five to ten years for the Eagles. This guy is a monster. Um and again, he's not playing against the, the 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 best of competition, obviously. But if you watch him, man, he he's a mauler. He's a mauler. It's a perfect way to he's a it's a perfect way to describe him. Um, and and I think being able to be coached by um, Jeff Stoutland will do wonders for him. And especially if he doesn't have to come in right away to start, that's fine. It'd be a third round pick. But he'll he'll be somebody that will be will be, you know, thrown in there, say, in, a year, in, in two years, you know, when we have a, a, a retirement on, on the line and we move people around, he could go right in the left guard, be at home, be there for the next five to ten years. And I think this would be a huge pickup if for the Eagles if he's there in the third round. Yeah, and I know that, like, there was a cool story that he uh, he practiced all off season. I don't think they played in 2020, but he got the invite to the senior yep. bowl, but he's been practicing. He had been practicing all oh, season he's a to become a center. Player. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. division. So he was practicing to become a center and he said he was taking snaps out of garbage can to work on his accuracy and stuff. So, I mean, this guy could definitely even come in at center and, and be the replacement there. I mean, I think he's a little bit smaller, but I think he's right around Jason Kelsey size, like the low 300 pound mark and stuff. And I'd take him as a center either way guard or center whatever you can do if you can work something out at the my dream scenarios is still that they work jordan mylotta and and um and uh oh what's his name from last year? Andre Dillard. and andre, andre dillard. dillard into the left tackle left guard and i feel like if you get dillard into guard maybe you can mask some of the deficiencies in the game and you let 
that might allow to continue to develop. That's still my dream scenario for the left side, because then you might lock down your left side for many years to come. Um, but minors could be, uh, th- again, that flexible. We talk about versatility in the offensive line room in Philadelphia. That's the big thing, versatility. If they can play multiple positions, if they can be moved across the line, that's Jeff Stoutland loves that. And Jeff Stoutland seems to be able to develop those guys that have multiple positional versatility than just one pure position for like a, just a purely left guard or just a purely left tackle. He seems to do a lot better with that. And I think that's why the biggest issues come with uh, Andre Dillard is his unwillingness to move around and uh, his and the fact that he's just not a great left tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, we'll see. and I think that in the, in the, if they were to take a, a Landon Dickerson or um, who, who was it that you had the Eagles pick? I'm sorry. I didn't even write that down. Um, at 70? No. Uh, oh, 30 some Creed Humphrey. Creed yeah, Humphrey. Creed Humphrey. They're going to take somebody that's versatile, that can play guard, play center, possibly. like so. And I think both of these, uh, both of the guys that we have them taking uh, fit that role. All right, the Eagles have another pick in the third round. And with the 84th overall selection in the 2021 NFL Draft, I have the Philadelphia Eagles selecting Chaz Surratt, linebacker out of North Carolina. Um, and this is a guy who, who could, who be prototypical outside linebacker. Um, and he's st- actually going to North Carolina. He, he was a quarterback. Um, he registered it in 2017 was the 2018 starter before, uh, he got suspended, uh, early on. And then, excuse me. And then, uh, he, when he got off his suspension, he wasn't that good of a quarterback. Um, they, they, he switched to the defensive side of the ball and became a monster. He was the ACC uh, runner-up, excuse me, for the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He had 115 tackles, uh, which and finished second in the ACC with eight tackles per game. That's you know somebody that's just all over the field. Um, he had 15 tackles for loss. So we know that the Eagles don't prioritize the, the linebacker position, but again, Alex Singleton w- became a, a a godsend for the Eagles. Um, you know, going in there. Um, and, and making all the plays that he that he did last year, um, they, they signed Eric Wilson, who's probably going to be the starter in the middle. But I think Chad Surratt has a chance to. He he doesn't have to go in and start this year, but he could go in and 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 be a a, a good player for the Philadelphia Eagles, um, given some you know practice and 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 whatnot, and not having to go be, go in right away and, and be somebody that's got to be rely, relied upon in his rookie season. Yeah, I, I like that pick. I mean, I think no matter what, eventually the linebacker position has to be dra- addressed in some form or fashion. And Wilson was a good addressing of it. But I mean, you want some more continued flexibility. You got your three starters behind that. You have a lot of developmental projects in Davian Taylor, Sean Bradley, Joe Bocci, should he make the roster and stuff. For my mock drafts, unfortunately, linebackers didn't fall the way I wanted to. And I rarely had a linebacker that I was comfortable taking at my disposal. So at 84 for me, I took safety out of Florida State, Hamza Nazarildin. Um, he's a He could end up being like a, um, a Malcolm Jenkins type guy. If he can continue to refine his game, he can be a sub package guy. They used him at Florida State. They kind of used him all over the place as well. So he could be a sub package guy that, that 
that Jonathan Gannon could have a lot of fun with. And But at the safety position, I mean, Rodney McLeod's not getting any younger. Injuries continue to affect him. Anthony Harris is only under contract for one year. How much do you trust Marcus Epps? Andrew Adams is a, more of a special teamer. Kevon mm-hmm. Wallace is someone who continues to need to be developed. I think Nazareel Dean's a guy who needs to be developed but can, can come out right away and definitely support the position. Um one thing I noticed when watching a couple games of film for him was he misses a lot of tackles. He goes for a lot of arm tackles. That's something that he'll have to clean up and get that technique down on. But he's got good football IQ. He can break on the ball. His coverage skills are pretty good. He's a guy that, that's been used everywhere. And I think Gannon can definitely use him everywhere. And he could even somewhat at times fill, like I said, fill the gap of a sub-package linebacker in Philadelphia and kind of take on the Malcolm Jenkins light role. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. They definitely have to – yeah, and they did it with Kevon Wallace last year. For some reason, he just couldn't get on the field for Jim Schwartz. So hopefully, like, he's been work- – and I believe he has. He's been working this offseason um, to, to to refine his game, and we can get him on the field. All right, so we are now up into the fifth round, where the Philadelphia Eagles have two fifth-round selections. Um, so if you want to give both of your fifth-round selections here, Connor, you're, you're, you can do that. Okay. No, perfect. I'll start at uh, 123. A guy that I continuously had mocked us is uh, the edge at a Vanderbilt, Deo Odeyingbo. Um, at the at the end of the day, you know that it would not be a Howie draft if we don't come out with a D lineman or an edge. But everything I've read, this is a brutal defensive line class. So I don't think that this is where you address the, the defensive line, despite the screaming need behind Javon Hargrave and um, and Fletcher Cox. But Deo Odingbo actually does actually did play a bit of 3-4 defensive tackle. He's played off linebacker. He's played 4-3 defensive end. He's got a ton of versatility, which means you could move him inside. You could pop him outside. In certain positions, you could use him as um, as an outside linebacker. Um, so I think that versatility is huge in a, in a pretty weak defensive line class. And, I mean, he's someone who you can probably play behind Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, and them. And if you put want to move on from Derek Barnett. Deo Dingo, someone who can step in and step in behind Josh Sweat when Josh Sweat takes the the lead, potentially takes the lead role over Derek Barnett. I just think the versatility and the flexibility is huge in a pretty weak defensive line class for uh, for Deo to be taken. So, um, and then 150 for me is... Another guy that I have mocked often there is um, Ambry, Ambry Thomas, cornerback out of Michigan. Um, he actually is a really he's a good special teamer. He's actually got some, a lot of some experience as a punt return, a kick returner. He's super athletic. He's got to work a bit on his technique and stuff like by any didn't play in 2020, which kind of sucks because you have to go off the 2019 film and hope that that's that he's either improved or that you at least get at the base that Ambry Thomas like that but I think his flexibility to be able we know how much Philadelphia Valley special teams and the flexibility to have a guy that can do a bit of everything and we have discussed at length our um, lack of confidence in the punt return game with Boston Scott and stuff so this is someone who could probably step in and be like your 
third, fourth cornerback, and he's a man press cornerback too. So another guy that you can kind of put in there because you can never have too many of those at this point because Vontae Maddox, he's going to need to be moved inside uh, at the very least or be moved to safety or something. So Ambry Thomas gives us another option that we can continue to develop as the end of da- as Darius Slay continues to get older. And if Darius Slay gets hurt or needs to come off the field or whoever else we have at cornerback needs to come off the field, you have a guy who can at least support and help and be aggressive in those first five yards and really be supportive of the front four. Yeah, I agree. And, and that definitely will help. So with the, or excuse me, with the 123rd pick, I have the Philadelphia Eagles taking Patrick Jones, defensive end, out of Pittsburgh. Um, he's an ideal 4-3 DN. Um, he had 17 and a half sacks in 22 games in his junior and senior year. So he can get after the quarterback. Um, and, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Derek Burnett after this year, even going into this year. You never know. Um, and we know that Josh Sweat, he's good, but he also can't stay healthy. So I think they're definitely going to have to get – younger here or get some more depth here and Brandon Graham isn't getting any younger so he this is a guy um that will be that's going to be a really good run defender um he he's quick off the edge he understands how to counter block so I think that Patrick Jones out uh the second will be an ideal fit for the Philadelphia Eagles at the 150th pick I have the Eagles taking Richard LeCount the third safety out of Georgia and pretty much for the same reasons that you mentioned Ronnie McLeod's coming off of an ACL injury. Anthony Harris is on a one-year deal. Um, Andrew Adams is, is just a special teamer. Kevon Wallace, we have high expectations for, so we'll see if he's able to get on the field more this year. But <clears throat> LeCount playing in, in that Georgia system, it's kind of like an NFL type of system. So I think that he'll be able to, to um, I don't, don't want to say flawlessly integrate into an NFL defense, but I think that he'll be able to, to – to especially on special teams make a lot of plays and to build up his um <clears throat> you know build build his game up to become a starter possibly in a, in a few years down the road so i have the eagles helping out the defense with patrick jones on the edge and richard lecount at safety in the uh fifth round well i like it i i looked at <clears throat> richard lecount as well a couple times but i just felt Nazareldine was the better pick at at safety in addressing that need but I mean I've looked at him too and I think he can definitely be a fit as well yeah definitely so I mean the, the Eagles are gonna have to use how he's gonna have to hit on all 11 of these picks um and he if they stay with 11 obviously he's gonna make trades um so they'll most likely have less than 11 picks but we'll see what what um what happens uh, in this draft. All right, so we're going to move to the sixth round where the Eagles have three picks. They have the 189th, 224, and 225. So, Connor, if you want to give all three of your guy, players here, you could do that. So 189 right now? Yes, 189, and then okay. 224 and 225. All right, so for me, uh, I go back to the wide receiver position here, and I go from Stanford wide receiver Simi Fihoko. I think that's how you pronounce his name, maybe butchering it, but uh, we'll get to know it if he gets drafted there. His best comparable on player profiler, so that goes based on college production and based on his his metrics, his athletic metrics, is Alshon Jeffrey. And it just so happens Alshon Jeffrey is off the roster. And because I took Devontae Smith, 
that Simi projects a lot better to that purely outside jump ball, contested catch wide receiver that we hope J.J. Ortega-Whiteside could have become. But I think that I'm prepared to say that if we drafted Simi Fihoko, that I think the experiment with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside would probably be over because I think that Simi Fihoko is a lot more effective and he's got speed. He's got a lot better straight line speed than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has. So I took Simi for that sole purpose that he can do the contested catches and he's got a bit of extra speed. And he can do a little bit after the catch with the ball, but he's a big boy with speed. Like I think his uh, size is six foot five, two two twenty ish. So I mean to have speed at that size and be a freak like that. Obviously, guys like this with the size, obviously, and the contested catches have some issues with drops. So he has those same issues. But I would rather take another risk than continue to try with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside personally. Take the shot and see what happens with uh, a new guy similar to that play style but when i saw the comp dial sean jeffrey i was like oh, that would be kind of cool i i like that um 224 for me is uh i've had i had this guy mocked in all three of mine because i just can't get over it it's elijah mitchell running back out of louisiana um elijah mitchell just He's a, he's a good pound and running back, 5'10", 215. I think he'd be a really good complement to Alshon, or not to Alshon, to Miles Sanders. And uh, for me, I just had a mock at 224, 225, or 234, like all in that ballpark in all three of my mocks. So I was, for me, grab the running back because I'm not 100. I love Boston Scott. You know I like Boston Scott. <laughs> but I'm not 100% sold that that's the complement. And Jordan Howard, you Jordan Howard, you're not paying him enough that you have to stay strong to him. If you draft a running back and he proves to be more reliable or just a better overall running back for your team, then you can cut Jordan Howard. Hands aren't dirty, not a lot of dead money in it, and you could just move on. And I think Elijah Mitchell's one of those guys who could definitely come in. And Elijah Mitchell and Miles Sanders could do really well together. And 225 for me was uh that was a that was a tough one and i think i am going to go <sighs> this was i have a lot of cornerbacks i feel like <laughs> i went heavy on cornerbacks but that's because i have so many on the go i have tay tay gowan out of ucf in this one so tay gowan would join a ambry thomas tay gowan's a pretty aggressive outside cornerback as well but like i said we literally have darius say as a true outside cornerback who's actually proven he's an outside cornerback and a successful outside cornerback the rest of them can be interchangeably moved around as sub package pieces or nickel corners or something of the sort so tay gowan i think is someone you can develop and and he can definitely hop in and play at some point he's got good size he's very physical and i really like that about him and i mean some people are a lot lower on him but there's a lot of good stuff about him as well so that's something that you can take the time to develop the guy and he doesn't have to produce in year one or year two you would hope that that production comes from the other guys that you take yeah i agree especially when you're taking somebody this kind of late in the draft i'm um, in the sixth round all right so with the 189th pick I have the Eagles taking Kyrus Tonga, an, an interior defensive lineman out of BYU. Again, we don't have Malik Jackson. Uh, Fletcher Cox isn't getting any younger. Um, we have Javon Hargrave, and we have um, Raekwon Williams. 
who they who they signed as a undrafted free agent last year, and also the other defensive tackle whose name is slipping my mind right now, which is really terrible. Um, but yeah, so th- they're kind of light at the defensive tackle position, and I think Tonga again, he's not going to have to come in and, and play right away. And being able to learn behind Hargrave and Cox, I think, is definitely going to help him as you know he he puts some more weight on, you put muscle on, and builds his frame up to to play in the NFL. So I'm going to go with Tonga with 189. In the 224th pick, I'm going with Michael Strachan, wide receiver out of Charleston. Again, so he's he's a big receiver, 6'5", 6'6", 230-ish pounds, um, can play on the outside. Now he's he's going to need some work, so he, so he's not going to come in and you know make an impact right away. But this guy, if if he can build into his body and you know uses his his length, his catch radius, he definitely could be a weapon to kind of be the Alshon Jeffrey um, light for the Philadelphia Eagles, somebody that could help um, Jalen Hurts or whoever the quarterback's going to be going forward um, in jump ball situations. And with the 225th pick, I have the Eagles addressing offensive line. Again, can never have enough depth along the offensive line. I'm taking Alaric Jackson out of Iowa. Um, I was known for running the football. They kind of breed offensive linemen there. Um, you know, so – if, even if he can't play tackle, he should be able to play somewhere else. And he'll, I think he'd be a good backup, um, whether it's on the left side, whether it's on the right side. Um, but, again, we are getting older um, on the right side of that line, so he definitely can work his way. Again, having Jeff Stoutland as his coach is going to do wonders for a guy like Jackson um, and being able to get his, get, um, get his body right and, and working on his technique to get ready to play in the NFL. So in the sixth round, I have the Eagles taking Tonga out of BYU, Strachan out of Charleston, and Jackson out of Iowa. Like it. I love it. I mean, we're, we're at this point in the draft where you have all these yeah. picks. This is, seems to be where Howie and this must be where Howie says, all right, guys, I'm done for the weekend. You guys take over because they seem to be able to bring in guys who produce who really quickly <laughs> or develop or turn into something with Philadelphia. Jordan Mylod was a seventh round pick. Exactly. Um, there, we have a few more that we could name that are like fifth, Jalen sixth, Mills. seventh round pick. <laughs> Jalen Mills was a seventh round pick. Exactly. We have these late round picks who actually turn into people and say, huh, funny how that works. The top two, the first two days, we get very little production. The last day seems to be the day where we start to see a lot more that's production he, from our people. That, yeah, that's when Howie actually listens to the scouts. All right, so we're now into the seventh round. And again, 11 picks, highly doubt the Eagles are going to make 11 um, draft selections. Um, they're going to be wheeling and dealing because you know how he likes to do that. Um, but we, again, stuck with what the picks are for now. So they have 200, the 234th selection and the 240th. So I'll go in the seventh round with the 234th selection. I have the Philadelphia Eagles selecting Elijah Mitchell, running back out of Louisiana. Um, oh, you we had agree. Taken, yeah, you had them taking uh, him in the sixth. I was able to get him in the seventh. Again, it would be a good compliment to Miles Sanders. Um, so uh, there's not really much more that I, that I can add to that. And in the seventh round, I'm probably stretching here because the, the Eagles like to draft quarterbacks at unnecessary times, like when they took Clayton Thorson <laughs> in the fifth round a couple of years ago. But with the 240th selection, the Philadelphia Eagles select, Felipe Franks, quarterback out of Arkansas. Now, why did I go with Franks over the others that were available? I think he kind of fits the mold of Jalen Hurts more than the other quarterbacks that were available in the seventh round. There was Ian Book, um, Sam Ellinger, Shane Bouchelle, but I went with Felipe Franks. 
Um, it didn't work out at Florida for him. He transferred to Arkansas. Now he's, you know, it's going to take time for him to develop. And this is mm-hmm. where, you know, having a Joe Flacco be your backup. And again, I know that Sirianni's not naming Jalen Hurts the quarterback, the starting quarterback, which I'm, I'm all right with that. It is what it is. But there's no way that there's going to be a true battle between Hurts and Flacco. The only way there's going to be a battle is if he trades up and selects Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones or whatever, um, which would be horrific if that were to happen. But that that's that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, the Eagles are going to take it, I believe, take a quarterback later in this draft just to have somebody, even if it's on the practice squad, um, somebody that can work with Sirianni, work with Steichen, um, and um, work with Brian Johnson, the quarterbacks coach. And you know, if things don't work out with Jalen Hurts. They're going to at least have somebody that maybe they can go to. Um, so with the, the their last selection in the 2021 NFL draft, I have the Philadelphia Eagles selecting Felipe Franks. I like it. I like it. I, I looked at Felipe Franks a lot, too. I just think there's when you look at him versus some of the other guys that are out there, he's got so much more development, in my personal opinion, to that you're going to have to go through with him and coming out of Arkansas versus some of the other spots um where the competition i mean it's tough to say you can't really go on competition but the fact that he failed in florida and had to transfer out and stuff that that concerns me um for me 234 and i do love the elijah mitchell pick obviously i got to make the comment on that um within the fantasy community when they say who is the next bet? Who is the next James Robinson? Which we know UDFA wise, it's so rare that you get a James Robinson uh, at the running back position. But everyone's like, mm-hmm. it's Elijah Mitchell. It's Elijah Mitchell. I don't think he goes UDFA. I think he obviously ends up getting drafted. He's he's a really solid running back and stuff. But I mean, if he could turn into even half a James Robinson, then he would be massive support to miles sanders because his backups are jordan howard who's only good with five yards or less to go really one yard or less to go and and uh boston scott who's only good against the new york giants so (laughs) someone who has the flexibility to be good with five or less to go and against all teams on our schedule would be really nice um for me at 234 i took offensive tackle at a buffalo kayud awusika probably butchered his name too um but he is a guy who they they, a lot of scouting reports put him as more of a guard than a tackle but the fact again versatility flexibility to be able to move between guard and tackle is good and i mean when you look at buffalo and you look at Jarrett patterson like buffalo you want to talk about breeding running backs and breeding like a run heavy offense buffalo breeds that run heavy offense in that style um so that that for me, I go I want KO to Wusika mostly for the fact of the versatility and the fact that he'll come in and be one of the, the guys who you can develop and who can come in at either guard or tackle on the right side whenever you really need him to be. For me, uh, we we thought the same thing at 240. We we took the quarterback at a spot where Howie probably won't. He'll probably take it two rounds earlier. <laughs> and odds are pretty good two rounds earlier. He'll probably take up one of these two guys that we're saying can probably wait. Um I actually went Shane Bouchel out of SMU. Um, he definitely fits better in a West Coast offense. They At SMU, they got him to use his legs a lot. He has that mobility. I feel like Shane Bouchel and, and Jalen Hurts could feed off of each other and work together. And if you want to talk about a true QB competition, you know Joe Flacco is not creating that. We, everybody knows that. 
Um, but I think that everyone took what Sirianni said the wrong way. He did elaborate. He didn't elaborate. He said it at the time, but everyone said, oh, of course, here we go again. But at the time, he said, I'm not going to two days into working with these guys over Zoom announce yeah. my starters. So exactly. I think you have to take that with a grain of salt. But to have a true QB competition, you need someone who you can build one offense around. That one offense that works the same, which really you had that with Wentz and Hurts. It's just it felt like Peterson had a completely different playbook for Wentz than he had Hurts. But you use the same book, playbook, same offense, and Shane Buchel definitely fits that mold, I think. But obviously Shane Buchel or Felipe Franks or whoever they might take at QB probably won't be in the seventh round. It'll probably be two or three rounds earlier in Howie-esque fashion. <laughs> so wait, it, it bothered you? If I if I got this right, that um, Frank's left Florida because he lost the competition, but it doesn't bother you that Bichelle left Texas when he lost the competition to go to SMU. I guess it bothers me and both ways. But at this point, hurts. it's it's whoever lose. It, it, at this point, you're looking at quarterbacks who lost out at a bigger school and transferred out. So I'm just kind of like I just think Felipe Franks has so much more development to do. And I just like the mobility of Buchel more. I don't know, just okay. a cleaner mobility and a better pocket presence and awareness. Oh, I understand that. I was just, it's just, it was just an interesting take, and I just wanted to see where you're, where you, you were lying. But they are our picks for the Philadelphia Eagles in the upcoming 2021 NFL Draft. We are gonna of the 11 picks, we might get one combined, right? Who knows? We'll <laughs> see. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. I, I can't wait for the draft. Um, it's going to be a fun night, a fun weekend starting Thursday night, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully Howie Roseman doesn't, um, screw up, which obviously is probably going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely agree with you there. Uh, we need a good draft. We need him to, to put his top 50 board aside or take his top 50 board with a grain of salt and take the, take the scouts board very seriously. Because when you saw that report come out, I, I completely agree with whoever this player personnel person was. You're sending these guys away from their yep. families to scout, to watch football games, and to to write up reports and spend so much time building this these boards for you. And then you walk into the war room a couple hours before the draft and you say, oh, that's a nice board you got there. And you basically like, you know, the whiteboards that flip there, he flips a whiteboard and boom, there's <laughs> Howie's top 50. Like, that's just not right. That's just not yeah, right. Exactly. You, you are a GM for a reason, not a player personnel guy for a reason. You are you are paid. GMs are more paid to watch the cap, do the cap, listen to your scouts and make the best decisions for your team. And it feels like it's very, he's very dictative right now. And he needs to get away from that. And I completely agree with the report, though. I completely agree with the report. If you have scouts, you take them seriously. If you don't want to have scouts, you just want to sit in your office and watch games and scout yourself. Don't waste scouts time. Don't waste exactly. people's time. I agree with you 100%. All right, so before we go. We obviously didn't put trades in, into this. We, we went with what the Eagles have. If there was one move that you think Howie is definitely going to make, whether it's a trade up, trade back, um, trade back into the first round, what do you think it is? And who do you think the player is for? Or who do you think it is? Which player do you think it is for? 
Well, I, I, it's kind of funny that we're talking about that because a report just came across my Bleacher Report notifications. It said that the 49ers have decided after putting the, uh, Lance, Fields, and Jones all through a very neutral test, whatever that might be. So they have mm-hmm. decided on their quarterback, but obviously we're probably never going to know. We're not going to know until draft night because they mm-hmm. kept it pretty quiet. So the draft for me really starts at four um, and what Atlanta's going to do. But, well, I still um, think it's three because we don't know which one it is. You don't. You just know it's a quarterback. Yeah. So I think for me, the quarterback or the draft always starts when it's not necessarily a guarantee it's a quarterback for me because then you know okay things are going to get interesting is it Kyle Pitts here is it a quarterback is it offensive line because heaven forbid we know Matt Ryan would love some more offensive line help um (laughs) but um for me it's a trade down I think the trade down is way more realistic I buy the CBS report a lot more than you buy the CBS report I do buy that if he's moving up he wants a quarterback because he wants to create a competition or Kyle Pitts because he loves Kyle Pitts because that's your that's your 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 alpha that's your guy who you can put out wide you can put out at the slot you can probably use him out of the backfield if you even want to he's that and super... he went to Florida <laughs> exactly and we all know our quarterbacks coach is from Florida as well. So mm-hmm. the, the linkage there is, is too good. He probably, the first thing he said is if you get a chance for Kyle Pitts, you trade for Kyle Pitts, you trade up for Kyle Pitts. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the trade down is the most realistic thing because based on the move up, obviously the move up by the 49ers was huge. Obviously you knew that was going to cost a lot, but based on what you're hearing about a lot of teams wanting to move down, there's probably some real there's probably really good opportunity to get a lot of equity if you want to move into the top 10 those teams know that like they can probably get another first or they can probably get a second they can probably get some really nice equity with moving back and i think that something's gonna come to fruition where i want to say it just feels like the Patriots. Something just mm-hmm. feels like it's going to happen. Devontae Smith will be there at 12, and Eagles fans will be like, smash that, smash that, except Devontae Smith, smash it. And someone's going to offer Howie something, and he's going to move back. It just feels like, and the Patriots just feel like the one right now. But I think the most realistic move is to move back than to move up, because he's trying to get equity. He's trying to get draft capital, because we all know maybe Deshaun Watson. We all know maybe Russell Wilson. We mm-hmm. all know the rumors swirling around about what could happen next offseason, and he wants all this draft equity. The move back is more realistic than spending equity to move up. Yeah, and I think if they move up, and again, I'm not big on that CBS report, but if they were to move up, I think it's going to be to get ahead of Dallas to get Patrick Sertan. Um, I think he's the, the best corner in this draft. And if you're able to add him across from Darius Slay, and then in, say, a year or two, he can become the, the number one corner, you, you make that move. Um, but I'm with you that if he trades back, it'll be with a team like the Patriots, and it'll be with the Devontae Smith. It'll be with Devontae Smith and maybe Jalen Waddle or Jalen Waddle on, on the uh, available at 12. And, they, and he won't do it. And Eagles fans, they'll burn down Novacare. They'll, they'll find where Howie lives and burn, burn his place down, which I would <laughs> agree with because it would be ridiculous that you don't make that move. I don't care about – we as fans really don't care about equity. It's nice that we possibly could have three first-round picks next year. But I I think that Howie is just doing it because it's it's self-preservation. He, he's going to be mm-hmm. able to go in if when the Eagles have a bad year and be like, Jeffrey, let this play out. I have a bunch of picks. We have a bunch of picks next year. We have three first rounders. 
just let it play out. But I'll, I'll be able to do this. And I think that, that that's a horrible idea. So, well, I think he so, also sees the way the Dolphins did it and the way that the Jags are doing it. And it's like, that seems really interesting. I've never tried this before. So he's kind of like, what if I can do this? And that it is definitely a self-preservation move for sure if you're going to take that approach. But, I mean, you see how the Dolphins are doing it. They, But the difference here is the Dolphins had a ton of salary cap to play with. Yeah, And the Eagles have no salary cap to play with. So you have to be able to compliment, okay, I'm going to get these pieces. Cap's going to keep rising. I'm not worried about we're going to get these pieces. We're going to get this equity. I'm going to overpay for some of these people, but know that they'll be off the books soon enough. And, you know, like the strategy in Miami is really nice. And I think they're doing a good thing and they're building something special. Um, and in Philadelphia, we just don't have that luxury. And and how we can't treat anything like a luxury right now, because we have an aging offensive line. We have an aging defensive line. We have aging pieces all over the place. We have dead money all over the place. We have injuries all over the place. He needs to start thinking about the future and thinking about getting younger. And that's why I agree with you, LJ. He needs to maximize 100, 125%. He needs to maximize 11 11 if he wants to trade away one 10 but it's got to be double digit draft picks yeah i agree he has he has to hit um on these draft. he needs to get six seven eight eight guys that are going to be legit contributors to, to to this team you know within the next two years um so we'll, we'll so we'll see how that happens um that was our 2021 mock draft for the philadelphia eagles um Again, come draft day, you can follow uh, the Kelly Green Hour on Twitter. Follow us every day on Twitter, but definitely draft day because I know Connor's going to do a great job uh, keeping the, the Twitter updated. Um, you know, let us know what you think. We'll put our we'll put our uh, picks out on Twitter, and you can vote who has who has the better set of picks. I think I think that uh, it, it'd be cool to to see what our uh, listeners feel and our followers on Twitter feel who who had the the better mock draft. You can follow the Kelly Green Hour on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. That's Connor T-E-N. And you can follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell 54 Please rate and review our show wherever you're listening to us. Thank you for listening to us. We appreciate everybody that takes the time out to listen to the Kelly Green Hour. It is draft week, everybody. Get excited. Howie Roseman, please don't screw up. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Thank you.